what's going on guys good to be with you another week a little bit of a different setting here darren's right behind me we are at the long beach wall pre-fishing our coastal social tournament darren what's up man different setting different setting i'm i'm glad to be out on the water for the first time this year First time, well, yeah, so much so that we <laughs> we had to stop because someone didn't get their fishing license. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone had to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're not on our own boat, though. We are with Steve from Promar and Ahi, USA. Steve, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for thank Good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that I get to have you guys out on the water here fishing the wall with me today. Yeah, it's uh, thanks for having us on your boat, too. This, yeah, is, yeah. Uh, this is a pretty sweet setting, I think safe to say it's uh it's probably the sickest setting we've had on the podcast so far <laughs> i think so we got to make this uh usual deal darren yeah. yeah yeah that'd be nice i'd be down yeah i haven't seen many podcasts where you guys are actually fishing while they're doing it it's like, well at least salt water i know fresh water you see that a lot more but nobody in socal really doing it yeah like like we've never done it but <laughs> no <laughs> definitely gonna start doing it now um steve First time on the podcast, love yeah. it. Love that uh, you're here with us and love for you having us on your boat once again. But tell us a little bit about the Steve Oropesa story, man. So my story, I came up fishing fresh water with my dad. Um, we used to go to Castaic and uh, Pyramid, all the local lakes pretty much. I mean, Alondra Park here, if you guys are familiar with that in like the South Bay area. Um, started doing that. My dad had a little 12 foot aluminum boat, uh, and then eventually bought something a little bit bigger and we kind of just kept moving up. Um, and he's the one that really got me into the sport. And then eventually I was exposed to saltwater fishing and then I just fell in love with it. Um, it kind of pulled me away from anything freshwater. Uh, I grew up in Gardena, Torrance area. So fishing the ocean was like, 10 15 minutes for me it wasn't very far so it just not only was it you know not only did i love it but it was easy for me to do and that's why it just consumed me basically nice um and then as i got older i went into film as far as school i worked with dan hernandez for a little bit um i did some other stuff i worked with phil friedman doing his podcast we got that uh launched at a 22nd street landing and then we, we've um, been on that before what's me that and me and when yeah, yeah. you yeah. guys we had you guys on there and um yeah i mean and then i've been with promar now for about seven years uh doing marketing international sales um amongst other things there but but yeah that's pretty much me man i have my 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 wife my two little girls um and then fishing and whenever i can nice man how's promar going i know we always see you guys at the shows, Promar and Ahi USA. You guys got quite the lineup. Promar more on the lobster side and Ahi more on the jig side. It's a good program over there. Yeah, so we've kind of, um, we've kind of always been, a, a, we like to spread ourselves around as far as the different aspects of fishing. Mm -hmm. uh, we like to cover the, the field um, from East Coast to West Coast. So we offer a little bit of everything to fit every area of fishing and basically across the nation. Mm -hmm. So we have a long line of cast nets, which is very common on the East Coast, as you guys will know. 
or Chanel. Um, we have a huge line of landing nets, which is, you know, freshwater, saltwater. Um, we have jigs, we have uh, gaffs. I mean, we, we make a little bit of everything. Like I said, we cover the spectrum. Um, and then we have a lot of excited, exciting things coming up. So we're gonna be launching some new items at ICAST this year, which is uh, mainly targeted towards the inshore fishermen on the East Coast. Uh, mm -hmm. along with some uh, a new line of cast nets that's designed specifically for kids. So we're trying to get more kid involvement into the sport um, by teaching them, you know, th this new line of cast nets actually going to come with like a activity log for them to, you know, log the catches that they're going to be catching with their cast net and teaches, teaches them how to throw it. And we actually paired, partnered with uh, a group called Kids Can Fish. It's a foundation out of Florida. Um, they've been working with kids, putting on kids clinics, teaching them how to cast uh, rod and reel, how to cast a cast net, uh, doing everything, you know, teaching kids, basically the next generation, leading them into the sport. So super excited. Um, we are constantly looking for the next great thing to uh, be a part of in the industry. So nice. I think this, this kids cast net thing is going to be huge for us. So we're hoping to have a, a big launch for that at iCast this year. Kids are always the safe bet. I mean, it's always about the kids, right? Trying to build up that next generation. I'm sure you want your kids to fish in the future, just like what we're doing right now. Absolutely, man. It's like, it's investing, right? It's yeah. investing into the future. We, we, I mean, there's only so many people that, that are, as far as our age, that get into it every year. Whereas kids, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the breeding ground for the next, like you said, the next generation. So we really want to invest into that and uh, set ourselves up for success down the line when those kids are old enough to start buying their own reels, buy their own boat. You know, they'll have a, they'll be familiar with our brand and they'll remember, hey, you know, I remember getting my first Promar landing net at this kid's event where I first mm -hmm. fell in love with fishing. So it's just basically setting it all up. Nice, nice, man. Yeah, I mean, the kids, I mean, you know you well yourself, Steve, kids are important about taking them fishing, about trying to introduce them to our sport. Ugh. I'm not grunting because I'm on the pot or something. I'm actually casting as we all are. <laughs> um, that's cool, man. I, uh, I like it. And you know, honestly, getting the kids involved is actually really important for all of us to do. Um, whether it's taking the kids fishing, like what, what Friends of Rolla does, or just introducing your own kids to what we love to do. It's the way of life. It's, it's different from the norm nowadays. I got bumped the other uh, couple casts ago, by the way. Yeah. Seems like they're a little bit off the wall. A little bit, yeah. A little bit off of it. What are you throwing? Uh, Zaycona jig. Oh, okay. I don't know, I'll, uh, I'll probably dabble into Darren's package here in a little bit. That's what we call uh, his swim baits on the podcast. You um, call them what? Darren's package. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to try, try out Darren's package, too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is technical difficulty. Oh, shit. There it is. So you said that you started in the at Promar about seven years ago. Yeah. Did you work somewhere else other than that? Uh, before Promar, I was in the audio industry, actually, doing marketing videos with um, music artists. I worked for a company that did devices for studio recording. So okay. a lot of the major music studios or places where big stars uh, 
record their albums and stuff. They used our, our devices. Um, so I did all the marketing videos for them. Nice. We'd go out on their tours and get marketing stuff of them using our, our devices for front of house engineers, the audio engineers for the right. concerts and stuff. Mm -hmm. We would uh, get marketing content of those guys using our stuff. So that was fun. And then uh, while I was doing that, I was working with Dan Hernandez doing uh, his um, camera. Cam I was doing camera operating and I was doing post-production for him as well. Nice. How, I mean, from your perspective as kind of, you kind of have your foot in both camps between the film side and the fishing side. You're starting to see a lot more podcasts like ours and a lot more video content for your social media and everything. Yeah. What's your opinion? Good thing, bad thing, indifferent? I think it's great. I think it's, um, Oops, sorry. you know, podcast has turned into something that's, I mean, it's relatively new. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's always been available and it makes it easy for guys who, you know, have a, a lot of knowledge, mm -hmm. but don't have the means of getting it out to people before, before the, the podcast platform existed. Mm -hmm. It was basically if you knew someone, you would get the information from them. Or if you could talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, then maybe you could pick their brain on stuff. Whereas now with this podcast platform, it makes, it has, it's a great opportunity for people to learn from people that they look up to. Like, I don't know, you know, you got the, the, the major well, players. Yeah, Dan Hernandez. I yeah, Dan, exactly. Him. Well, it's almost like that. But now with it, it's with the guys that don't have their t own TV shows. Like yeah. the Benny Florentinos, the Jimmy Deckers, all yeah. those guys. Um, you know, you, you often hear about them on being on podcasts and you want to tune in so that you can kind of get, you know, maybe a little tip here and there from each one of those guys. Yeah. And, and you put put together your own game plan based on what you learn from each of those guys. So it's it's I think it's awesome. I think it makes it easier for everybody. I think it's a really good thing for the industry because that's going to, you know, it's going to make people want to go out and buy the stuff that they're talking about. Um, it's going to feed the industry. So I think it's a great thing. I definitely use it. Um, you know, when I was, I've, I, I don't consider myself a, an authority on anything fishing, really. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still learning every day. I mean, I, I definitely look to guys for answers and stuff like that. So yeah. I use it all the time. I mean, anytime that I hear that Benny's on a podcast or, you know, anybody, anybody that is well known for catching fish in SoCal, I tune in and I see what I can grab from them. Of course. It's awesome. So I guess if, um, just in case you haven't already told us, but growing up, who did you look at, look, look to? Dan Hernandez was definitely the, the guy yeah. back in the day. I mean, I remember my dad waking me up six in the morning, Saturdays, Sundays, cause mm. Dan Hernandez was on and we tune in together. So, and it was, it was kind of surreal when, when uh, I was able to score a gig with him. Do you, uh, do you watch those videos like on the long range trips and all oh, that yeah. stuff? All yeah. that stuff. Him fishing cat. I remember we'd watch him fishing Catalina. Yeah. And then like, you know, actually, and like my dad was like, hey, we should go try and fish Catalina. We jumped on, I think it was a pursuit back in the day or something. Uh -huh. And uh, nice. Yeah, and going out there and and doing it and just trying all the stuff that Dan did and it working, you know, landing fish with it. So yeah, definitely Dan Hernandez was probably 
the guy for me. And then once I, you know, got more engulfed with saltwater fishing and learning who the other guys were who not who didn't necessarily have a TV show, but were guides or charter guys, you know, mm -hmm. um, I started, you know, Benny was definitely one of them and uh, Decker and Landsfine and um, who else? I mean, Dwayne Diego and yeah. all these guys. I mean, they're all awesome. Uh, Billy Kellerman, everybody, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't get popular by not catching fish. <laughs> yeah. So how is it in your eyes looking up or growing up watching Dan Hernandez on TV and all that and being able to like rub, rub elbows with those guys nowadays? It's awesome. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like when I first got into the industry, I was like coming from like the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. It was funny because I wouldn't get starstruck when I'd meet some of these music artists. <laughs> but then I'd go to like the Bart Hall show yeah, or the Fred Hall show back then and meet like Dan and be like, oh, my God, that's Dan Hernandez over there. Or, you know, whatever. That's the captain of uh, the independents over there, Mark and Paul or whatever. Yeah. It's just it was it was it's kind of funny that way. But it was um, it was it was awesome. I loved it. And, the, you know, the fishing industry is small. Yeah. Um, so oh, if there's somebody if there's somebody that you look up to or want to meet and you go to these shows, you're most likely going to run into them and you'll be yeah. you'll have, and for the most part, everybody's really cool. They're willing to talk to you. They're willing to say hi. And, you know, maybe you can ask them a question or two on what they think about, you know, what's to come with the season and stuff. So it's awesome. I think the industry's great. The fishing industry. Where'd you go to school? I went to school out here in San Pedro, actually. I was I did the marine biology program. Okay. I, that's kind of the, the reason why I went to the school. It was the only school in the area that had a, so it was part of a mo magnet program. Okay. And they had a marine biology program. And the first thing that I thought, you know. Oh, nice! Oh, nice. Darren's on. So yeah, me being a fisherman, uh, learning they had a marine biology program, I was like, I'm gonna go there and figure out how I can, what I can learn to help me catch more fish. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, I like it. So going back as Darren struggles with his baby calico. Nice big calico. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was probably not as long as, as when Darren was in school. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, going into it, like going into a marine biology, um, I guess, program, did you expect the kind of things that what you learned back then, was it completely different from what you thought it would be? Or was it kind of like everything ocean I want to learn about just because I'm super into As I struggle fishing. with my third yeah. thing in the rocks. <laughs> um, it was definitely... Like, was it more like environmental versus fish-wise or vice versa or something that you It wasn't expected? what I expected, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, we learned, we learned everything marine biology. So it wasn't just like, I was hoping to just learn about calico, bass, yellowtail, tuna, yeah. white sea bass, halibut. Yeah. And it wasn't that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So it was more, it was more about, you know, the whole, the whole ecosystem of the ocean and stuff. I mean, I, I, there's a little bit of stuff in there that I kind of use for fishing, but for the most part, um, it, it was good. I, I learned a lot, um, but 
it wasn't what I, I went into it expecting, you know? We go into expecting, oh, it's gonna improve our calico game, or it's gonna improve our, our yellowtail game, or white sea bass game, whatever, but definitely wasn't that. So how'd you make the switch from marine biology to film? So while I was in high school, well, growing up, I grew up with friends that we were constantly finding dirt lots, uh, BMX, bike, building, you know, jumps and stuff with our, for our bikes, skateboarding. Uh -huh. And we all wanted to do like, you know, we'd see jackass on TV and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So we wanted to make videos. So one of our buddies ended up talking his parents into getting a camera and we started making skate videos, bike videos, dirt bike videos, all that stuff. And I was always the guy that was like, oh, let me see, give me the video and I'll edit it or I'll put it together, right, you know? Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> that turned into just a passion for doing video stuff. Nice. And uh, that was kind of my, although I was in marine biology, I was also part of the uh, documentary making program in high school. Okay. And I was the editor in that. And, um, and that basically was it, man. I just, I grew up doing videos for, with friends and, and, and I loved it almost as much as I loved fishing. How'd you score the gig with, uh, with Phil? That's been going on for a with couple Phil? years now, right? Phil, Phil Friedman? Yeah. That guy? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy? Uh, he was uh, down and out on the streets, living under the freeway. <laughs> I came across him and I was like, hey, Phil, what can I do to help you? And uh, no, just kidding. He's a good guy. Um, so I got connected with Phil through our, a mutual friend, Joaquin, who also works okay. at Promar. Joaquin used to work with him when he was doing his uh, Phil Friedman adventure, or what is it, Friedman Outdoors, Phil Friedman Outdoors back in the day. Okay. Um, Joaquin, I think, did like graphics for him and stuff like that because Joaquin's our graphics guy at Promar. Um, and, uh, and Phil was looking at doing a podcast with his sons. So the thing with Phil is he actually, he lived, he kind of got out of the fishing industry, moved to China and then was out there teaching English for like three years. And he came to visit his sons, Phil and Patrick, uh, right cool before, guys. what's that? Cool guys. They're all right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh. And when he came and visited them, it was right before COVID. Oh, okay. So he came and visited them, COVID hit, the country was shut down. He couldn't go back to China. He ended up having to stay here. And while he was here, he was like, whoa, what am I gonna do while I'm here? Him and his uh, sons decided, oh, we're gonna, we'll put a podcast together. His sons were already doing a podcast okay. for freshwater fishing, bass, bass fishing. Bass bros. Yeah, bass bros. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to do something with him. So they, uh, they started putting together Friedman Adventures. And, uh, and they knew that I was, you know, I, I did a bunch of video stuff mm -hmm. and I had experience with doing that side of, stuff, of things. So they reached out to me through, via Joaquin and that's how we got connected. Nice. I mean, when I remember when COVID happened 2020 and I saw Phil's podcast deal or I saw Phil's podcast, which I know you're, you're a big part of, 
kind of pop up and it was it was great to actually have that content during covid because no one was doing anything basically and i remember going on it with a couple i think just once actually with wayne but all those guys kind of like what you said all the people that we idolized growing up and even all the people that we rub elbows with it was like the new thing to do and he i mean he's still a hit so it's, it's a good program that he's got over there yeah yeah he's doing a good job with it i actually um have pulled back a little bit from working on it just because we had our second daughter, you know, work. It's just too oh, hard. Oh, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, so, but he's doing really good with it. I mean, yeah. we, we got it off the ground and got it rolling and he's taking it to a whole new level. He's posting constantly. He's doing his morning briefings, which is awesome. Um, so he's doing a really good job with it. I'm gonna actually move us down a little bit. We're, we're actually drifting uphill. So it's, it's kind of weird. I'm gonna move us down a little bit further down the line here and then see how Steve, we how is Darren out fishing us right now? I know, man. What's up with that? I want a Muto's jigs. Nice. <laughs> oh, is that what you're using? One of uh that's like um like a slow pitch, right? Or yeah. What? yeah, yeah, I was just you know jigging it up and down and little guy hit it, so nice. Nice. Little twenty gram. That's typical Darren just hitting up on those miners. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what it's like all the time in the studio? Oh, yeah. Right. First Between picking him on you? and Davey Brown in Oklahoma, I get picked on Oh, okay. I guess I'm an easy target. <laughs> not, not nearly as bad as Kevin, though. <laughs> so Wayne's stepping out or stepping away, huh? He's retiring. Yeah. So basically in 2025, he's going to step, step away from CCA, well, step from the employment side of CCA. Okay. I think um, if I was a betting man, I would basically say he's still going to be involved, just not as an employee anymore. Okay. He's going to retire, and it's well-deserved. guy's been working his tail off for years, almost eight years now, with uh, CCA California. He's been an awesome president. Yeah. Yeah, he's been yeah. really good. He's yeah. gotten a lot of stuff done. He was a big part of this 365, right? Yeah. That was one of his projects where, you know, the CSL, California Sport Fishing League, that was their deal. Like that was their deal for so long. And I think in like 2020 or 2021, they they dissolved or went under or whatever, however one you say it. And um, he ended up taking it on. The first year CCA ever took that on, we got it through, which is great. A lot of the credit goes to Wayne. A lot of the credit goes to CSL because they kind of laid the groundwork for that to happen. We're the ones that just kind of took the ball and just got it that last couple, those fourth and inches kind of plays, you know? Yeah. Took it across the finish line. But, um, you know, it's great. I mean, it kind of, it kind of uh, provides that opportunity for people like Darren who gets his fishing license last minute. Yeah paid his 60 bucks or whatever it is. And, hey, I'm, uh, I'm right there with them, dude. I got my <laughs> license last weekend. I know. <laughs> it offers the flexibility yeah. now where it's like, okay, well, you don't, January 1st, people a lot of say, well, if you buy it January 1st, you still get a full year. Yeah, that's true. Well, not only that, but, but it, it feels like you're not wasting any money, you know? Like before, you'd, you know, 
the weather the first three months of the year was no good. Nobody would go fishing. Oh, especially this year. Yeah, so it's like now at least you get full 12 months out of it. It doesn't yeah. feel like you're just wasting four months of money, basically. Exactly, exactly. So this time of year, we're in well, just the beginning of May. What's going on at Promar? Any new, nothing or anything exciting? Um, I know ICAST is coming up in July, so. Yeah, so we've, we've been, uh, we have, we have the big squid squirts that are make, are getting really popular. Uh, originally, we, des we designed them for um, Alaska up north, big lean cod, big rockfish up there. But now with this uh, deep water, uh, sorry, I'm trying to maneuver this here. Um, <laughs> now that we got those deep water regs changed, a lot of guys are actually using them and we're actually finding that they work well for the black cod. There's a, a small group of guys that are starting to tar target black cod now that the depth restrictions have been lifted a little bit. Yeah. Um, so they're working well. Um, now this year with the whole rockfish regulation changes opening one month later, mm -hmm. it's kind of like right now we're in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what's going on for us. Right now it's all about rockfish really. Is that typical though, like for, uh, I guess, Ahi, where you have a lot of the, I think it's the deception jigs? We have assault jigs, deception assault jigs. jigs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mainly the assault jigs when it comes to rock fishing. The deception jigs are more yellowtail, tuna. You can use them for rock fish, but they only go up to six ounces, so they're not that heavy compared to the assault jigs, which go all the way up to 14 ounces. That's pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So those have always been kind of the staple for rockfish down in SoCal. Um, they work great. They get down to the bottom quick. For a while there, when, when the tuna were keying in on the glow jigs, the 12, 12 ounce, 10 ounce, eight ounce assault mm. glow, we couldn't keep in stock. Guys were re-rigging them with big assist hooks or travel hooks, mm -hmm. um, sending them down for that night bite. And they were working really well. When it came to the pandemic and with the, I guess I'll call it the supply chain crisis that we had a year or two ago, how were you guys affected by all that to where you just couldn't get anything in stock because not only the supply chain deal was, was a problem, but also just demand was just through the roof back you, then. You know what? We have such an awesome team, forecasting team, that we were still 98, 99% fill rate during, throughout COVID. Wow. Yeah, we were, we were, we did really well. So, so we were, we didn't really run into too many issues. I mean, even, even now we're, I'd say 99.9% .9 fill rate. So usually in the fall, that's a pretty big season for you guys. Before, oh yeah, exactly. That's kind of products. our bread and butter. Um, yeah, as, as everybody knows, uh, Promar is kind of the, the the big kid in town when it comes to lobster. We do all the hoop nets. Um, we offer the standard thirty-two inch, which is which is the OG. It's yep. the original guy. Uh, then we have the thirty-six inch uh, XL. We have the 36-inch XLH, which is um, a 13-pounder. And then now, for the Dungeness crabbing up north, they've gotten hit pretty hard in the last couple of years with 
new restrictions that only allows them to use hoop nets. I was going to say that 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 alone is probably just business is booming. Yeah, it's it's been great for us. I mean, it's it sucks for the commercial guys up there because the, yeah. you know that's how they make their living. Yeah, um, and you know we don't we don't like that side of it because right. we definitely want to support all the commercial guys. But um, yeah, unfortunately, then, I mean, the only option for those guys at this time or, you know, they, they did open it up for a little bit uh, at the end of the season last year or this year. It's actually still open now, but mm -hmm. the, the lump sum of the season is in the first couple of months. After yeah. that, it kind of tapers off. Um, but yeah, their only option was to use hoop nets. And so. Here's Promar providing a solution for them. Yeah. So luckily, the, uh, we, it was funny because now we've gotten, we've made really good friends with Captain James Smith from the California Dawn. Nice. And I, early on, he, he like was doing a bunch of research and he was kind of, I think he was one of the guys, if not the guy that realized, oh, fish and game will still allow you to use hoop nets. Yeah. So <clears throat> he was kind of the guy that started the trend up there of using hoop nets for Dungeness. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we we definitely are thankful for him for kind of exploiting that and letting everybody know about that. Um, but <clears throat> we started working with him right away. And uh, he's been a great, great advocate of the hoop nets up there. And we did a bunch of videos with him this past year. And it's working out really good for us. I mean, it's like I said, it's not good for the commercial guys, but for us, it's been. I mean, Captain James, he's got that second boat now, I think, right? The he has the, the California Dawn One and the California Dawn Two. He actually just repowered the Cal Dawn Two. It's going to be an awesome boat. I he, just, I literally just saw that this morning. Yeah. On, uh, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So me and uh, Andy, our West Coast sales manager, were actually with him in Newport on. Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday he did a sea trial, so he invited us, us out with him. Nice. He got it repowered down here in, in Newport. And uh, we went out with him, and dude, that thing cruises at like, it's a, I don't know how long it is exactly, but I think it's like 55, 50 feet catamaran. Not bad. And it's cruising at like 24, 25 knots, something like that. Whereas before, I think it did like 17. That'll do. So That'll yeah, do. it's it's gonna be an awesome boat to, to go on and fish up there especially now he's saying that now he's gonna he has the range because the new engines are a lot more efficient he'll be able to go out to areas that haven't been fished in 30 years so you know, it's, it's gonna be a game changer i was gonna ask have you been fishing up there we did the uh we did crabbing okay uh last last year um and did a little bit of rock fishing. I've been up there and rock fished on my own uh, out of Monterey. Okay. But with him, I, I, we did crabbing. And it was fun. It's, it's awesome. If you like Dungeness crab, I definitely go, I recommend going up there and catching your own dungies and bringing them back. It's awesome because you get off the boat and they have these big pots in the parking lot. You pay them to clean the crab, cook them, no and then they give them back to you and you bring them home and just throw them in the freezer and eat them as you, know, as you want to eat them. It's awesome. It's a really Darren, good. Darren, that sounds like a trip. There yeah, you go. It does. <laughs> Where, yeah. Where'd you guys do that at? Uh, it was um, Berkeley Marina. Okay. Yeah. So I have a uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law that live up in uh, Monterey, 
And oh yeah, they do it there too. I'm yeah, sure. every every year we go up there and for around New Year's and uh, do a half day of rock fishing and a half day of pulling traps. So it was fun. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. What's going on here, Chris? I don't know. I was just about to ask Steve, what's going on? It's just like your home turf. Should have been here yesterday. I know. That's what they always tell me. <laughs> oh man. What's so I know we've talked a lot about Promar. What's going on, on the Ahi side? Anything new and exciting? Yeah, so Ahi's, uh, like I said earlier, um, Ahi's mainly cast nets, jigs, stuff like that. So the new and exciting thing, not so much for the West Coast, but East Coast is gonna be that cast net, the kids cast net that we're doing, mm -hmm. that we're launching at iCast. That's, that's gonna be pretty, we're all excited about that. Um, on the jig side, we're working on developing some more stuff for the tuna okay. um, that we've been seeing here in the last 10 years, 15 years. But nothing that's we're sure about yet, so I'm not gonna make any announcements on that. Sure. Uh, the only thing that we will be launching for sure at ICAST this year is gonna be the, um, on the Ahi side, mm -hmm. is gonna be those, uh, the cast net and then some, some spoons, but that's more for the East Coast, the redfish guys. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's what's going on for the, on the Ahi side. So I have to ask, being from the West Coast and all that, but having a, I'll call it a global company that services many markets, including the US and all that, how is it where you kind of have to put, at least on the marketing and sales side, having to deal with products that you don't normally fish with yourself? How do you it's, balance that? So uh, the thing is, yeah, so it, it was difficult at first, um, me not having experience with these certain things, mm -hmm. but Ben is, you know, Ben makes sure that we all get some time on the water experiencing all the stuff we put out before we go out and talk about them. So anytime we have, like I just got back from Florida for a week in, uh, in March testing out all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't talk about anything unless I've used it. We make it a point for all of our guys to use all the products that they're gonna be discussing or promoting or pushing. So there's nothing really that I haven't used that's East Coast, you know, an East Coast targeted product. Um, hold Do on. you often see like trends that start on the West Coast and go East or vice versa or whatnot? Yeah, we've, we've seen a few things um, like the whole spreader bar thing. Oh yeah. That was a big thing. It's, it's been a big thing on the East Coast for a long time. I keep, I keep getting bumped by these little fish. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, we often see these things. Uh, right now we're talking about, we've been looking at some deep drop stuff. So we've been looking at the way that uh, the guys on the East Coast rig their, you know, the deep drop rigs and stuff like that. So yeah, we definitely reference other areas when coming up with new designs for our stuff. Cause we want to make sure that whatever we put out is not so concentrated to just SoCal or just NorCal right. or just East Coast. Like we want to make it applicable to many territories. Mm -hmm. So we try to make small changes or adjustments in something to where it's applicable in multiple places rather than it just being applicable in one place. And in doing so, we obviously have to go to these places, try it out and make sure that it would work. Outside of Southern California, 
What would be your favorite thing to go out and fish for around the U.S.? Uh, redfish in Florida. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Our, our, uh, our East Coast sales manager, Stephen Howie, mm -hmm. he's taken us out a few times. We fished the Everglades. We fished the Gulf Coast. Like I said, we just got, I just got back from Florida uh, fishing with him for a week, testing some new products. And, uh, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's like nothing, nothing I've ever experienced on the West Coast. You know, it's, you're fishing in three feet of water, four feet tops. Are you wade fishing? You're sight fishing. No, you're oh, on a flats fishing. boat. Okay. Yeah. You're on a flats boat. So you're on a, yeah, you're on a flats boat. You're, uh, you're sight fishing. You're seeing a big bull red cruising and you're just throwing your bait. You're trying to cast your bait right in front of them. The only time I've ever fished reds is wade fishing out in Texas. Wade fishing? Wade fishing. Have you ever done that before? Mm, not saltwater. It's wild. It's like, I mean, growing up. It's not up, like fly fishing, right? No, it's like basically you put on waders and you get out yeah. of the boat and all that stuff. It's unbelievable because just growing up on the West Coast, you never do that. We never do that here. Yeah. Like, well, that's a, that's a crazy thing is like, I go to Florida and I'm fishing with Steven and we're fishing like three feet of water. Mm-hmm. And the first time we did it, I was like, how the hell are you doing this in your boat? Um, yeah. You know, when I'm in 10 feet of water in my boat, I'm nervous. I'm like <laughs> looking for rocks, yeah, looking exactly. for stuff. Uh, oh, shit. But like the whole bay is, you know. No, I'm good, I'm good. I'm just trying. Like the whole gulf is like four feet, three feet. Like people are bouncing off of rocks. Yeah, it's no crazy. Like on the East Coast, you go, What's the thing they say? It's like a mile a foot or a foot a mile or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Here's a question. Clips or no clips? You know, I, I usually use them for certain things. Mm -hmm. Smaller baits, I don't use them. Bigger baits, I do. Um, Crankbaits, I do. Yeah. Um, but it's got to be the small clips. Yeah. Um, I use them for surface irons. Like when I, yeah, it makes it easy to swap out colors and stuff like that, but just depends, I guess. That makes sense. There's certain, some people say that, you know, they don't trust them because they fail, but I've, I've never had that problem. I, I was using them in Cedros when we were catching 30 pound, 40 pound yellowtail and I never had one fail on me. I mean, those things are weight rated. So as long as you get the right weight, um, you know, you shouldn't have a problem with them. You know, I think I've used them in the past. I think for me, it's out of laziness. I'm too lazy. <laughs> that too. But it's yeah, so it, easy. It, it makes yeah, it convenient. But with the clips, though, you're not cutting line and losing line. Having by the time you're done, at the end of the day, you're so short on line. Now you got to retie a line on, and then unless you're fishing the wall with a clip, like me. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost like three clips already. <laughs> No, but yeah, I think, I don't know. I've, I've had decent luck with them. Some, some guys say that they actually swim better with yeah. clips. And that's, that's part of the reason why I like to use them for my uh, surface irons. Yeah. Because you get more, there's more action. It's not a tight hold on that surface iron ring. So it's more flexibility, more, more wobble. So podcast, how did we get started? I think it was, to Darren's credit, he actually almost cornered me about a year and a half ago, maybe longer, said, hey, when are we doing this podcast? Because 
you know, for a while, podcasting was really kind of like just exploding and the availability of pretty much anything. Excuses, like, oh, I'm getting married, I'm starting a family, no, all this you, stuff. You huh? know, it, was, it was actually on both of us. We, we had the idea. We never pulled the trigger on how we were going to do it, where we were going to do it. And I had a spare room in my house since my kid is now in the Navy and gone. Oh, okay. And uh, that's where we decided to do it at. And we went through, uh, you know, not knowing anything about the audio side of shit. I bought some stuff that probably shouldn't have bought our sound quality wasn't that great at first and then i bought some better stuff and now it, it, it seems to be a lot better with the, the stuff that we use so but it's been a fun ride you know we've we've actually we've made some good friends through it um we've you know brought more awareness with the cca yeah a wider broad of a wider spectrum i guess and um Trying to get all that stuff out there. People that are love to fish that don't know what's going on, especially like with the thirty by thirty stuff. Yeah, uh, that's a big deal. You know, there's a lot of people that don't even know what that MPAs are out there. It's sad because that's just a, a, to show that uh, they. It's that's not sad on the fisherman's part. It's sad on the uh, go- government side. 